0: Hey Coach, I know you're out there hustling to get into classrooms and provide feedback that actually improves instruction. But meeting your teacher's needs when you're looking at a stack of sticky notes is just about impossible. I want to share a coaching tool that I know you'll love. DigiCoach is an app you can use on your phone, designed for busy coaches like you and your administrators too. It's the perfect way to record your observations and notes when you visit a classroom, collect data about what's going on at your school, and differentiate your coaching support based on the patterns you see. Some of my favorite features include the reports and DigiCoach's pre-written strategies and coaching tips to provide specific feedback and help in those moments when you just don't know what to say. Ready to check it out and make your workload so much lighter? head to digicoach.com and tell them Miss B sent you to try it out for free and provide actionable feedback to your teachers. As a literacy coach at an elementary school, I spent so much time trying to find the perfect supplemental resources for my teachers. That's why I am so excited to share a special resource with you today. Decodable texts are essential for our students who are working on mastering phonics in primary grades, especially. I have come across the sweetest decodable books that I love, and my kindergarten daughter loves them too. They're called Express Readers. Each book has a complete storyline, includes fun and funny characters like Bug and and the stories are engaging and increasing complexity over time as do the words and sentence structures on each page sticky words are identified in each book to help children with words they aren't able to decode yet or those with irregular spelling patterns they're the perfect resource for giving students at your school the practice they need in applying phonic skills Head to expressreaders.org and visit the Decodable Books page. There you can download a quick keys guide with teaching tips for each book, including teaching sticky word mapping. You can also get free sample decodables sent to your address. Head to expressreaders.org if you're building your phonics instruction and you're ready for some really great readers. coach and welcome to episode 166 goal focused coaching cycles with sherry sinclair thank you so much for listening to buzzing with this be the coaching podcast this month is all about coaching cycles we're looking at how we can refine our coaching cycles to make them truly effective for teachers and this is really the number one tool that we have to support teacher growth so we want to maximize the time we spend with it especially because we know that making the time to get into classrooms can sometimes be a real challenge when you're fighting the constant push for you to do other things. My guest today is Sherry St. Clair. She's going to help us identify ways we can help teachers focus their work with us on goals and move them towards those goals through coaching cycles. I cannot wait to welcome her. So Sherry, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak about coaching.
0: I'm so excited to hear what you have to say today, and I know my listeners are too. So can you introduce yourself a little bit, talk about who you are, how you ended up here, and maybe a little bit about the work that you're focusing on right now?
1: Sure. So my name is Sherry St. Clair. I'm president of Reflective Learning, author of Coaching Redefined, and I'm currently working on another book um, on instructional strategies, hopefully for teachers and coaches. But um, I started off as a Well, a teaching assistant, actually, and then as a teacher of elementary school, moved to high school where um, I worked as an administrator in the area of instructional leadership. And um, from there, I moved to the State Department in Kentucky and worked as a middle and high school consultant. And uh, from there, my national work grew. So I, I left our state system and now have the sincere privilege for many years to get to work with schools all over the world i love 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 what i get to do um, all of my work is in the area of instructional leadership i work with um, instructional coaches with teachers and uh, school administrators and district leaders as well all in the area of instructional leadership coaching that way
0: How interesting. Um, So you know, I know that that one of the things that you are very knowledgeable about is coaching cycles. And that's why I wanted you to come on the podcast this week, because this month, the theme is coaching cycles. And we're really digging into it, trying to make sure that we're maximizing the time that we spend with teachers, because it can be so difficult for coaches to even get in the classrooms in the first place, which sounds backwards. (laughs) But it is true. So so yeah, I would true. love it is true right it's, it doesn't make any sense but seems like the hardest thing for coaches to do is coach. <laughs> <laughs> so we're really looking at coaching cycles and and one of the questions I've gotten a lot is about goals. So could you explain a little bit about where goal setting sort of fits into the coaching cycle?
1: Sure. Yes. And I was really excited to be uh, asked to be on to talk about this part too. So I thought this was a perfect match for <laughs> the conversation. So of course we want to have goals with coaching. We want um, to know where we're headed and if we are making a difference, if it's working and if it's not working. Um, so yes, you definitely want to have goals uh, with each teacher. And what I have found through research, and quite frankly, on the groundwork of doing this for years, is that we we are really good about making those goals too big.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: as I have grown in my um, knowledge of instructional leadership, I have found that um, if we can make those goals smaller and more intentional, we'll actually see more growth. We need to set those goals with the teacher and we need to keep in mind what the research says about setting goals. So one of the things that I love and people who follow my work will know is I love to follow the business world and learn about leadership and research around leadership from the business world. Was really privileged to have Daniel Pink endorse my book. And one of the things I love about Daniel Pink's work is his uh, research around what motivates people to change. And Daniel Pink mentions um, in his work about if we want people to change, then they need autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So keep that in mind as you're working with teachers to set their goals. Autonomy, they have choice. Mastery, they feel like they can make it. Purpose, they see themselves as part of the bigger picture. So it's okay if, for example, one of the things that I frequently work with schools with is it's okay if you're going to work on engagement, but what does engagement mean to that one teacher? Not all teachers are on the same level with understanding engagement or comfort of moving towards increasing engagement in their classroom. So you have to break that down to say, I'm coaching Sherry, she might be working on cognitive engagement and what inside of cognitive engagement would make a goal. So get really intentional with those goals with that teacher so that they can feel like they have a choice, that they feel like that's something they can master, and then they see that as part of the bigger picture within the school. That's where I see the greatest growth. And that doesn't say that we stay on that goal for four years. You know, sometimes you work with a teacher and they're on that goal for a couple months. Sometimes they're on it for a full year. Um, People grow at different paces and that's okay as long as they're growing. But definitely pull from that research and what it says about how people grow. And that'll help the teacher and help you, the coach, as well.
0: That makes so much sense. You know, I'm hearing that we're looking at a focus goal, like something very specific. And I like that what you're saying is you're kind of adding um, some understanding to the teacher's toolbox right off the bat, because you're saying, okay, we are looking at engagement. That's the big umbrella. But within it, these are all some of all the different kinds of things that we could look at. And because sometimes if you just say, well, what is it that you'd like to focus on with engagement? They're like, I don't know. I would like my kids to do what I ask them to do. And then (laughs) like, okay, and so then we have to kind of refine that and, and add something to their understanding before we can set that very narrow goal.
1: Absolutely. And so you say, you know, would it be behavioral engagement, emotional engagement, cognitive Mm -hmm. engagement, what would be your, your goal to focus on as we as the school move towards this common goal of engagement? Um, You know, when we talk about collective efficacy and everybody having that same understanding they, that all plays into to that piece as well as you're keeping them moving towards that common understanding, but they have choice and they feel like it's something that they can do mm-hmm. and that it will help them.
0: Yes. And, you know, I just really love that. I picked, I mean, I kind of am envisioning it sort of as like a a tier like we talk about tier one instruction tier two and tier three and that's something that I come back to a lot as a coach like this is your your tier one is kind of your pd and it's what your whole school is working on your tier two is like your plcs and it's like differentiated based on grade or, or team or content and then your tier three is your individualized coaching cycles not that it's like about a, a level of of Uh, struggle or intervention it's just about the differentiation levels you know the way that we're personalizing it so much at that tier three and I just like that so much because you can keep schools realistically schools have things they're working on that's just how it is so if we can give teachers choice and freedom within that we're still honoring that they're an individual with individual understanding and you know personal goals but we are working towards the school goals
1: that's right and we want schools to have those goals, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to walk into a school that has no vision of where they're going instructionally yeah. um, talking. And so we want the schools to have those uh, plans, those um, visions based on data. But then we have to break that down to what does that mean for the individual teacher?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: when I say we, we do that in partnership with
0: that teacher by our side. Mm -hmm. Yes, that makes sense. So do you have a structure for writing goals that you really like? Like I know some people are very tied to SMART goals. Some people are, you know, they use other structures. Is there a structure that you think works best?
1: I do like SMART goals and I know some people don't like them and they always don't work Perfectly mm-hmm. with coaching, but I try to stick to that structure as much as possible. But I really think that the biggest piece of that is to make it small and make it an intentional step. That's mm-hmm. where I I think I've had the greatest aha moment is to really make it explicit and small, so that you can just go in and um, Discuss that, look for that. And that also what I have found in working with coaches and um, administrators who don't necessarily have coaches in their building, but they're the, the only instructional leader that's that's in that building. When When I see leaders do that, then it helps on that piece of, I don't have time to coach everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to see everybody because the conversation doesn't have to be as long. So sometimes I will walk into schools and coaches are spending 45 minutes with the teacher. Well, of course, you don't have enough time to get to every teacher if you're spending 45 minutes with them. I mean, the calendar just that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. So if you can create these smaller intentional steps, then you can go in and you can see that in 10 minutes. 15 minutes and limit that conversation, that coaching conversation to that as well. And the more focused you are, the more focused that teacher is, then you can see that growth and then bump that one off and go to another goal with them.
0: That makes so much sense. So yes, and I do. SMART goals. Yeah. But
1: more intentional. And that's mm-hmm. really Chrissy. That's, that's my next book. That's what I'm writing on and what I'm researching right now, because I feel like we get stuck in this big picture piece and we forget that there's a thousand steps that it takes to get there
0: mhm yeah those small incremental changes are what are, it's really going to support the teacher in growing throughout the year. And just like with students. And I think we kind of lose track of that because they're adults, but with students, you don't say, oh, this kid needs to have amazing, fantastic, you know, number sense. They need to be acing their math tests right now. That's not realistic. We say, okay, what's next? Let's look at what they're doing now and figure out what piece I can work on next. And we do it with kids a little bit at a time, but with teachers, it's like the change needs to happen fast. And it's true. Schools do need change to happen quickly because kids are in those classrooms, but you can't dump everything a teacher does and then just start over because they're an educator. They have experience, they have thought, they have ideas, they've been doing things. and, and, And so this choosing something like engagement, you mentioned, choosing one small component of engagement that can support that teacher throughout their whole day, throughout their whole week. It's something that is underlying, you know, it's not. So content-based, it's an underlying thing that should be present all the time, but it's one small thing that they can try to work on.
1: That's right, and it can stay in their mind. Then, if they mm-hmm. have this huge piece that there's a million pieces that we've gone over twenty different strategies, and now you pick one. If that's going through their mind, and they have everything else on their plate, it's so hard for them to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, honestly, that that has come to to um, me through work. It just as through failure of coaching and just um, I've I've had to learn that, but that is where I see the, the biggest transformation is if we Mm -hmm. can just take a thousand small steps and really honor that teacher's growth and, and movement.
0: Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, I do. um, Do you have like um, an example of a goal? Like let's stay thinking about engagement and what could it sound like? If I know that you don't, you know, you probably don't have anything written out, but just with your experience, is there anything that you can share that would help us think about this as we frame goals?
1: So let's say that a teacher is working on, well, we'll just stick with engagement since we're talking about it today. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say that the school's working on engagement. And then, you know, that's the, the big catch word for the, the year. But the teacher wants to work on, let's say, cognitive engagement. They, they want to make sure that the students are thinking about the content they're, they're teaching. And they, they can tell that the students are thinking about the content that they're teaching. Then a goal might be three times in a class, I will ask students, to reflect on their thinking about my subject material. And that, and I'm just making that out of the, you know, mm-hmm. up, up out of the blue. So that might be not be that the most refined example there, but that, is something that we can sit there and think about. Did this teacher really ask students to reflect on that, no matter what their teaching style is? So if we walk into a classroom and this teacher is doing a 100% lecture, did they stop three times during that and say, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about what I just discussed? Uh, do a quick write, mm-hmm. share with your neighbor or let me hear your feedback just did they stop three times if you have a teacher who's really trying to grow in the area of cognitive engagement and they are at the basic start level that that's a good goal for them that they can just three times during that class period stop and do that now another teacher that's not going to be a good goal they might ask a thousand questions during a class period And their cognitive engagement piece might be, I want students to think deeper about this. I want them to be able to justify what they're saying with evidence of something that we've either discussed or read. So their goal might be three times during the class, I'm gonna ask students to justify pulling from evidence to show me that they are cognitively engaged. I think you have to take the teacher from where they are and what their next step would be. What would be a good goal for you is not going to be a good goal for me. We're different. Just like, you know, you mentioned students in class. Students are different. Our our teachers are different. They have different needs. And what's a good goal for one is not necessarily a good goal for another. So um, that would be just be two probably that. Yeah, we can show you how
0: to you know bump it up. I like that. um Yeah, I think that's really important to consider because you're right. Just quantifying it is where some people are like actually doing the work, actually trying it out, is a good place to start. But then we can think about quality once they have the act under their belt. I know how to do it. I have done it. Now let's think about how this is impacting students. Which ones are higher quality than others? Which ones suit my purpose better? So I, I like that a lot. Um, So as you're trying to figure out, like you're coordinating with your teacher, let's say you set some, some, a goal for the work that you're going to do together at the beginning of a coaching cycle, and then you're kind of making a decision about what that support's going to look like, whether you're just going to observe and provide feedback, whether you're going to do some modeling or some co-teaching, whether you need to learn about it, how can coaches really kind of walk teachers through that process and help them choose the right type of support that's actually going to get teachers to work towards these goals?
1: Um well, so I always like to well, I tell coaches, know as much about your teachers mm-hmm. as you can. You know, that's one of those pillars that I believe are important for coaches to have as strong relationships with their teachers. I believe coaches should be studying leadership skills, content, and know how to develop those strong relationships um with those that they serve. But to just to sit down beside them and and that's sometimes my question is how can I serve you what do you need what will help you that's what I'm here for is to help you so just asking that question and listening to them and and then sometimes as a coach you're thinking that's not going to help you Sherry I know you're just gonna ask me to come in and <laughs> go teach and then not do anything with it or whatever that might be. And so sometimes that you will have to do a little bit of pushing and and say and I call it vision casting. I would love to see you at some point think about and then just da-da-da. Or one of the ideas that I have is possibly a sitting down and let's talk about different. Ideas for cognitive engagement, and then maybe you can pick one, or you know, don't let go of that knowledge that you have. In other words, for them to lead you down a path that's that you don't believe is going to help them, but that's a
0: balancing act, it is, and I think. A, po- a big piece of that is what you mentioned with the teacher. We have to know about our teachers and they have to know about us and they have to believe that we really are sincere whenever we say, you know what, I think we could do some co-teaching together. What might benefit this process is before we do the co-teaching, maybe we can do a little um, a little research on some ideas and then do some collaborative planning so that whenever we actually co-teach together, we know what options we want to implement. And that way teachers believe that you, that you really are saying, I really believe this is the best thing. I'm not trying to give you more work. I'm not trying to tell you, no, I'm not going to do your work for you. No, that's not what's happening. I am saying, um, let's, let's do this the best possible way so you get the best out of that Mm co-teaching. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And then have, reflection of that co-teaching and have accountability based on that co-teaching. Yes. So that you're helping them to move forward.
0: Yes. Co-teaching is its own whole special thing. Um, And it took me (laughs) a really long time to get comfortable with it. And I had to figure out how do I make this? We are co-teaching, not I'm doing a thing. Now you're doing a thing. No, I'm doing a thing. Now you're doing a thing, right? I had to figure out, okay, how are we both teaching this so that it's actually going to benefit kids for having two people in the room, not just taking turns, and that we're actually collaborating and talking about how things are going as the lesson is moving on. That's the benefit. But if if we're not comfortable with it, it, it can feel very overwhelming. Um, so I think that accountability with co-teaching is very important because it's not supposed to be essentially modeling. Like you're supposed to be working together, you know, not just taking turns modeling for the other. <laughs> and I think that can be very hard to figure out how to navigate at first.
1: Right. And if, if it's not done correctly, it's an event. It comes and goes and nothing happens. So yes.
0: Yeah. Another Thinking about the discussion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's true. Thinking about how to bridge that co-teaching <laughs> into implementation of the classroom. But that's that's really kind of. I mean, all of the coaching work we do, we always have to have a plan for, or at least a thought to, how is this work we're doing together going to be sustained in the classroom when I am not doing this work with a teacher? We are always trying to build the capacity so that the teacher is implementing things and doing things and has, has new tools in their toolbox that will remain there when we leave. Um, it's kind of like a student in your class who reads for points, but then they don't read because they read. You know, it's it. We we don't want to build that relationship that the teacher is only doing the things because you're present.
1: Right, right. So yeah, and so one of the things that you you had asked about you know, the the structure of it. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've also found really beneficial in my structure is to have a just um, some note-taking, a a note-taking structure in place. Mm -hmm. And that is at the top of those notes is always the goal of this teacher. And I've done that because quite frankly, I can't keep up with all the goals of the people that I'm working with because I'm all over the place. So, you know, it's a little bit for me, but I have that coaching goal at the top. And when I'm coming into a classroom that's coming up on my computer their goal, and that is right in my mind. So when I'm in that classroom, I'm looking specifically for that. And Chrissy, you know, there's a thousand things happening in a classroom. We can go off and see all of these things that are happening and get us off track really quickly. But I try to stay focused on what evidence do I see connected to that goal? And that's what goes in in my notes. And then when I'm meeting with the teacher, they get a copy of that goal, those notes that I have put in there. And then at the end of that, I have just a little um, spot where we talk about next steps. And um, I also have a spot where I put like um, if I share a resource. And that's so, again, that that's just for them to know and for me to remember. Um, But but I also have this accountability piece built in to say, what will you try within the next two weeks? And that keeps that flow going. Then when I come back in that classroom, I'm bringing that set of running records up again. That goal's there. I can go back and look and see what did I share with them? What did they say they would do? Am I seeing evidence of that? And that really helps me as a coach to be able to. Just keep it straight in my mind and keep those conversations focused and to keep them shorter, those meetings shorter. So I can sit down with the teacher and say, Chrissy, we're here to talk about your goal of blah, blah, blah. And then go straight to those notes versus getting myself off task and giving them so many ideas that aren't going to help them with their goal.
0: That makes sense. So your coaching conversations are very focused and purposeful on this one thing. And you have this guide in kind of in in the form that you're using um, that helps you say, okay, we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about these things and we're going to plan for next steps. What other what all does goes into those coaching conversations? Is it really just pretty much what you just mentioned in terms of like the components that you're recording?
1: Yes. And so, you know, I, I'm not saying don't say, you know, how are you, Chrissy? How are you? Of course. Or whatever. <laughs> you
0: know, the personal normal human <laughs> things. Always, yeah. <laughs>
1: we're, let's get on with it. And, yeah. uh, you know, you have, you want to build that relationship, but peace. But you also want to honor their time and honor your time as well, because we never in education have enough time mm-hmm. so they will appreciate it if you're more concise and that they're they know that they're not sitting down with sherry and she's going to talk about stuff that doesn't matter for 45 minutes sherry's going to sit down with me she's going to have a focused conversation i'm going to be in there and out of there get what i need but i'm i have only so much time Um, and so I really like to push coaches to think about 10-15 minute conversations what can you say we can say a lot you have a lot of conversation in 10 or 15 minutes and you can maximize your impact then at the school more if you can have more frequent shorter conversations than than these long ones so uh, basically we sit down we go over the goal said, this is what we're focusing on. Then we go over my notes. And again, those notes are just what evidence did I see based on that goal? If I see something that really I'm thinking, you know, I've seen this six times in Sherry's class and it just keeps coming up. And then it, it might be that I just weave it in there to say, Sherry, in time, I hope that we can think about these students over here that are not as cognitively engaged or, you know, whatever it might be. But if it's not connected to that goal, then bring them back to the goal that we're that we're talking about and say, but for now, let's focus on here. No, this is in the back of my mind and we want it to be maybe our next goal or it's, or I'm thinking about it mm-hmm. for future conversations. But for today, let's stay focused here. And so the reason I do that is because if the teacher is ready for growth in that other area, they might go ahead and just work on that area too,
0: mm, that makes but
1: sense. I, that they mm. shouldn't have any question about what it is that I saw and connected to the goal and what I hope to see when I come back when I leave. I'm glad we've had that focused conversation.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because sometimes, you know, you're working with a teacher, you're having a coaching cycle focused on a goal that you set together, but then, you know, classrooms are very real places with lots of moving parts. And sometimes you're like, this is, we're working on this, but the underlying issue, you know, for example, we're working on, you know, on, let's say, um, cognitive engagement, but the underlying issue is they don't listen to this teacher when she talks. (laughs) (laughs) The the management is so out of place or like if, if management isn't present, nothing else is happening, you know, no matter how much we work on refining the stuff at the top that you're, you're missing the foundation, you know? So how do we do that whenever we see there are very real needs, but we have these goals that we're working on and we, and we want to be respectful of the teacher as well. But we also are like, oh, <laughs> we can try to do this all day, but they literally do not hear what you're saying. You know, <laughs> what do you do in those situations? Yeah.
1: Well, so sometimes I do that weaving in piece uh-huh. and then other times I, I, I talk to them about, do you, do you think maybe we want to switch from, Cognitive engagement to behavioral engagement, because I see that we have some students who are not as attentive as we would like them to be during Mm -hmm. class. And that's okay too, if you switch goals. Now, again, stay in control of that. Don't let a teacher switch goals every time you're in there. But if you see that something else will really help them, I think we do a disservice by us not being honest with the teacher in that because it would be really hard for that teacher that you're working with there to get to high levels of cognitive engagement if the behavioral engagement is really off. Mm -hmm. And so um, the more honest that we can be, and and caring, not mean, but caring and um, truthful and sincere in helping that teacher, it's okay to come back and say, let's think about this goal first mm-hmm. and uh, and go from there. I, yeah. I think they would appreciate
0: that. Many times they do. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they don't, but many times it's they do because they're like, this thing is not working. Why is it not working? Because they're trying to work on the goal that's way up here. And so if you say, you know, well, I'm noticing we're working really hard on this one area and you're integrating these strategies, but I'm, I'm seeing that something is getting in the way of the kids actually engaging at that level. I'm noticing, you know, which, whatever you're seeing, I'm noticing that whenever you're giving directions, the kids are not really stopping to listen. Whenever you're, you know, reading together, you have children doing such and such or whatever. So those things can be getting in the way of them doing the thing we're trying to work really hard on. So maybe we put that on hiatus, focus on this stuff that's getting in the way, and then we can come back to it. Um, if There is a way to say it that is not attacking, like you said, that is respectful of the teacher in the classroom and the students, but does express the reality that they are not going to learn if they cannot listen. Because I I know that that's an issue that many schools are facing right now.
1: Right. And in my book, Coaching Redefined, I have uh, what I call nine real values for coaches and things that they um, should, um, those values that they should have that help them to coach and one of them is honesty and honestly it is one of the ones that i coach on the most with mm-hmm. administrators and with instructional coaches and it's not that we're we're dishonest with people but we hold truths back that sometimes can help teachers because we yep. fear what the teacher will say to us yep. and and i In my early years of being shy and the introvert that i am really struggled with that as well i was like why can't you see that this?" and it just was like something hit me in the head say sherry it's because you're not sharing that with them you know this but they don't know this and so i had to get to the point of saying i cannot be frustrated with this teacher the school, this leader, if I'm not willing to have those hard conversations with them and not hard of me, but hard for me to say, you know, Chrissy, this, you have a wonderful goal here. But what what i also see is many times you're going to struggle to reach that goal unless we get this other piece worked out. And so maybe we take a step over this direction, and work on this first, and then here, how would you feel about that?
0: Yeah, I totally agree and I
1: sometimes have
0: Yeah, that's I I agree that that I struggled with that as well and there were classrooms that I was like this is I feel awful in here. There were classrooms that just stressed me out to be in those rooms and I did not know how to address it because management specifically felt like such an um like a personal thing. For teachers, and so I felt like, how do I even broach the subject? And now, you know, now I obviously have more experience doing that and having conversations that um, people are, you know, saying things in such a way that express the truth while being kind, but also being firm. <laughs> it's kind of a very, very fine line to walk, but it's um, it is so important because they they don't always know, and and they think if you're present. And you're seeing it. They think you're going to tell them. And many times they're like, well, you wouldn't, you didn't say anything about it. So that must be fine. So they don't, and they don't know how often do teachers get to see other teachers teach They have no vision sometimes for what's going on in other classrooms because we put them in the classroom, we close the door with 20 kids and we're like, good luck, we'll see you later, you know, see you in June. And so it's just really unfair to everybody because we're asking them to do something that they haven't seen since they were on the other side of the job, since they were the kids sometimes. Um, so it's, it's uh yeah, if we can't give them that perspective, we're not doing them any favors. We're just avoiding the hard conversations because it makes us uncomfortable. And we're also afraid of making them uncomfortable. Right. Right.
1: And always, um, try to encourage coaches to pay attention to those things that you were talking about, about you felt uncomfortable in there. Well, if you're feeling Mm -hmm. uncomfortable in there, the students are probably feeling uncomfortable in there, or if it's stressing you out, then it's probably stressing a student out. Or if you're having a hard time paying attention to the, what the teacher's covering, you know, chances are the students are as well. So so, um, pay attention to those feelings that you're having, because they're incredibly important to your coaching as far as just um, how you're emotionally attaching to what's happening in that classroom.
0: That's a good point. It's something good to consider. Thank you so much for all of your input on coaching using goals and our coaching cycles. I do get to ask you one more question. That is my favorite and it is, what is your favorite thing right now? And this is just a fun question. It can be anything you like, um, podcast, book product, anything, you know, even an activity that you're loving. So what is your favorite thing right now? <laughs>
1: Um, I have lots of favorites. Uh, <laughs> I'm always reading, so uh, but I, I think during COVID, I discovered um, I picked back a paintbrush, and oh. I had not done that for probably since college. And so I'm glad to say that's my new favorite. If people follow me on Facebook, they have to look at all my paintings. <laughs> I don't I don't share them all, but I I, I enjoy painting. It is my stress reliever. So I, I'll say painting today.
0: I love that. What a wonderful hobby. That's great. Um, So how can people find you online to learn more? I know that you have a great presence in different mediums. So what can people do if they want to follow you?
1: Well, my website is reflectalearn.com. You can sign up for a newsletter there. You can find the coaching redefined toolbox and lots of coaching resources. We've spent a lot of time on engagement. There's a blog on engagement that has been quite popular there as well. So people can look at that. Um I am also on Facebook. Uh, probably that's probably where I'm and most active, and Twitter and Instagram. You can find me in all those spots, but um Definitely. Facebook is probably my go-to spot right now.
0: All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for being here, Sherry.
1: Thank you, Chrissy. I've enjoyed it.
0: Hey coach. So that was such good information from Sherry. I am so glad that she shared that with us because I feel like you know, figuring out how to how to find goals and how to say the hard things is is such a challenge for coaches. So I hope you walked away with some really valuable tools for your toolbox today. Next episode is episode 167, and we're going to talk more about coaching cycles, how we can move from more shallow introductory coaching into deeper coaching. So it's a question that many of you have asked, and um, I'm excited to share that with you. In the meantime, if you want to grab a download that will help you get teachers interested and excited about coaching cycles, you can grab that at buzzingwithmissb.com episode 166. Scroll down, put your email address in there, and you'll grab tools and ideas for helping teachers be excited about coaching cycles, because I know it can be hard to get people on board. These are some great tools that are going to help you do it. Until next week, until episode 167, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.